as we move forward here and we're doing the vaccine passport thing, they think it's going to change people's minds. Are they going to say, okay, this seems to be working out and I'm coming to grips that there are certain areas that where there should be mandatory vaccine. And so far we haven't seen movement in Ontario when it comes to long-term care homes. Still undecided in this province and it's been such a focus and such a shame and a shameful result in our long-term care homes. As we were just talking about healthcare workers and how we used to call them heroes, and my last guest said he thought that that worked, and then we forgot about it. There are times we kind of turn our attention away from what happened in long-term care and what is happening right now. We're not going to do that today. Dr. Amit Arya is joining us, palliative care physician, specializes in long-term care, also director at large, Canadian Society of Palliative Care Physicians and co-founder of Doctors for Justice in Long-Term Care. Doctor, welcome. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Arlene. What is the dilemma right now? What are we seeing in long-term care? Because clearly mandatory vaccines will be pushed forward if it looks like there's a need. What are we seeing when it comes to the virus and the data there? Yeah, so at this time um, with the fourth wave, we're seeing the highest number of COVID-19 outbreaks in long-term care facilities since June. Um, We're starting to see, once again, very sadly, people dying uh, of COVID-19 in long-term care once again. And I will also add, in addition to that, when long-term care facilities go under outbreak, meaning that there's, you know, residents or staff members who are infected with the virus, they're actually lock down the residents again, meaning that they're confined to their rooms. So it has a dramatic effect on their quality of life. And I think we can all agree at this stage of the pandemic, 18 months in, and this should not even be happening in the first place. And we have the tools to actually stop these outbreaks from happening in the first place. Mandatory vaccines. Do you feel there's any movement? Individuals are, some individual facilities are saying, okay, we want to do that. But every time you use the big M word, mandatory, it's controversial. Where do you see opinion going on this? And more importantly, if there were mandatory vaccines, by looking at the data, do you think it's going to help the situation that you just described? Oh, absolutely. So people who live in uh, long-term care, first of all, Arlene, are very frail, uh, often older adults, people with disabilities. Um, Like they can't go in and out of the facility. And it's generally someone else who has always brought in the virus unknowingly. And almost always that person is a health worker. And when we know vaccines are extremely effective at dramatically reducing your chance of transmitting COVID-19, I mean, as you mentioned, that's the reason we have vaccine passports. It makes no sense at all that you would have an unvaccinated health worker um, in a long-term care facility. And as you described, there have been certain long-term care uh, owners or operators like Chartwell, Extended Care, Rivera, Siena, for example, who have uh, sort of made vaccination a condition of of employment, as it should be. Um, Some of the not-for-profit and municipal long-term care homes have also come together and formed a coalition where they've said that, once again, vaccinations would be a condition of employment. But the problem here, there's a big problem. First of all, many of these long-term care facilities, especially the for-profit ones, tend to employ agency staff. So they are not employed by the actual owner of the home, but by Mm -hmm. an agency. Mm -hmm. And they're often moving between different homes to fill gaps in staffing. So they're exempt. And obviously there's a risk when they're working in multiple homes. And the other issue is because we don't have a mandatory policy across the healthcare sector. um, What this means is that 
you know, many of these long-term care workers work part-time. Some of them work in home care. They might be working in hospitals. They can simply quit and move to another area and leave the long-term care facility without enough staff to care for the residents. So what we need is a policy where this is mandated across the entire healthcare system, including long-term care, home care, um, hospitals. It doesn't matter. You have to be vaccinated to work as a health worker. Why do you think this hasn't been done? Well, I don't have an answer to that. I don't <laughs> think that this is um, this is something controversial. And I mean, in the midst of a fourth wave, I mean, speaking, you know, to my expertise in long-term care, I mean, I think everyone would understand that people have just suffered enough in long-term care. They don't, I mean, they absolutely do not deserve to be confined to their rooms again. Um, and, you know, of course, I'll say it again, if you're a health worker, you should not be a COVID vector. So I don't understand what the controversy is here. We, we need to sort of move quickly on this. I mean, I don't think any deaths or any of you know the suffering should be happening. This is all preventable, and there is no deliberation around this from anybody who's you know sort of working on the front lines, um, like myself, you know, physicians or um, you know people who are obviously families or residents. They all want this to happen. It's it's interesting. One of the things that seems to be happening is. There is movement and change when the numbers change. We've seen it in this province. We're certainly watching that in Alberta. And it's a shame and it's shameful if that's going to be the situation in long-term care. Do you have a feeling that if those numbers start to change and things become extremely critical, that that would put the pressure on? I hope that's not what it takes. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that's not what it takes. And you're, and you're right. That's what we saw here in the third wave um, when our ICUs were overwhelmed. That's what we saw in the first and second wave in long-term care. And frankly, I would even argue in the first and second wave when close to 4,000 people died in long-term care, um, sometimes we didn't even see any action, even when things were completely overwhelmed and people were dying preventable deaths. So, I mean, at this point in the game, I mean, I, I think that the whole point of Responding to the pandemic, whether it's long-term care, whether it's looking at community spread of COVID-19, keeping our schools safe is to be proactive and not to act after the system is already overwhelmed, which undoubtedly leads to unnecessary suffering and death and is actually worse for, you know, other aspects of, you know, our system like the economy as well. It costs more. It is. And we're starting to see that. I mean, we weren't going to have the passports. Then there was pressure from the business community. And now we have the passports. We have seen kind of the stages of acceptance are moving forward. Earlier in the show, we were looking at Quebec, and they they have jumped out ahead in some of these things. Dr. Emmett Arya, thank you for joining us, and we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, Arlene. Dr. Amit Arya is a palliative care physician specializing in long-term care, director-at-large Canadian Society of Palliative Care Physicians, and he's also the co-founder of Doctors for Justice in Long-Term Care. It is. I mean, we're seeing a little pattern. We hope that's not the case. If things get worse, do things change? And we've seen the balance between doing things and then also being proactive and politics play out over and over again, and I think the area of the elderly and long-term care and what we've learned about ageism, maybe attentions that we don't pay on these things, has really been one of the huge focuses that has come out of this. For Jeff MacArthur, I'm Arlene Bonin, Global News Radio.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.